Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 144 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And first of all, I have to say thank you to Don Mack for sponsoring my six kilometer swim. Last weekend, I swam three kilometers, which took me just over two hours. When I actually do the swim, it should be quicker because um, we're going with the tide down the river. So we should get a push as well. So I'm expecting it to take me about two and a half hours. Anyway, on to today's interview. Today I'm interviewing Jenny Phillips, who was recommended to me by Katie Caldesi. And I met Jenny at the PHC conference in May. So let me tell you about Jenny. Jenny Phillips is a qualified nutritionist and yoga teacher and part of the team writing five diabetes and weight loss cookbooks with Katie Caldesi and Dr. David Unwin. These books really help to change lives as they provide the why, the science plus the delicious recipes. She has worked with food since her own recovery from breast cancer in 2003, 20 years ago, where the appliance of science helped her to optimise her own health through food and lifestyle. So far, she's on the right side of a predicted 50% chance of a reoccurrence and has reverse aged in the process. In addition to nutrition coaching and yoga classes, she offers fabulous low-carb retreats in the West Country, a chill zone for healthy living. Welcome, Jenny, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Fabulous to be here, and thank you for inviting me. Thank you for coming. Um, we always start with where in the world are you? I'm in the UK. Um, I'm actually in Buckinghamshire, which is I'm about an hour west of London. Excellent. In the pretty much in the country, but with great access to to lovely things. Yeah, that's probably where where we are. I'm in the northeast of London. Okay. Countryside all around, and an hour an hour on the train, and you're in the centre of London. Best of both. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start with your journey and how you came to low carb keto and yeah all, all the things that have gone on along the way because you've had quite a journey yeah so um, my journey kept began with my own health crisis I guess that's something you hear fairly often because very often we uh we look to food when when we need to improve something so um it's 20, 20 years ago this year I was diagnosed with cancer uh, breast cancer I had two very small children um and I was I was 39 
And uh, I would have said I was really, really healthy. You know, I followed all the dietary guidelines to a T. Um, I wasn't overweight. I exercised. Um, and so it was a bit like a bolt from the blue. And um, I, I had successful treatment. I was very lucky um, in terms of my, I had quite a, a difficult diagnosis to begin with, but it kind of got better over time. Um, and so I was able to have surgery and chemotherapy and um, and be all good to go. Um, but of course, you then get the risk of recurrence. And because my um, my cancer was really big, like 11 centimetres, right. and it was grade four, so really active, it tends to be in younger women, it tends to be really nasty. Um, my risk of recurrence was 50%. It's like one in two. Yeah, I had two small children and it was really, really scary. And I kind of just thought I've got to I've got to make a difference here. And my background's in chemistry. So my first degree was in chemistry. And um, somebody mentioned to me about Penny Bron, which is a a cancer charity in Bristol in the mid uh, in the West Country. And they do quite a lot about food. And that gave me the opportunity to, for the first time ever, to think, oh, <laughs> I wonder what I could do differently. And I kind of emerged into this whole world of interesting stuff. And I was really quite shocked by how much I learned about what you eat massively affects, well, your metabolism and um, your health outcome. One of the phrases that I remember was that um, – as a nation, we're overfed and undernourished. And I think that's so true because I was following to a T the guidelines. I was basing my meals on starchy carbs. I was avoiding salt. I was lugging down those polyunsaturated heart healthy fats, um, as you do. Yeah. <laughs> when I was low fat, of course, because then I'd buy all the low fat yogurts and stuff. Um, was following the, the, the advice and actually when I think back I did have quite a few symptoms that didn't even register because I just thought well everybody has reflux oh everybody has period pains everybody has and they don't <laughs> they really yeah. don't but of course if you're eating foods that inflame and irritate you you can end up with all sorts of manifestations and so through this journey I was able to learn loads I then went on to study nutrition because it just gets all encompassing and so interesting and I qualified as a nutritional therapist in 2010 um, and alongside that because of course with cancer it's it is about what you eat but also well it's about several things it's about your genes it's about what you eat and it's about your lifestyle so I also um, did a little training in yoga teaching as well so I kind of had my own my own little health service <laughs> because I really 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 didn't want to get it again And, um, you know, you can never say never, but do you know what I find fascinating is 20 years on, my health is like way better than it ever was before. My energy is way better than it was 20 years ago. And I love this idea of reverse aging. And it's down to the foods and the lifestyle. But yeah, the foods predominantly. How cool is that? I know. It's really neat. I feel, yeah better now in was I'm probably the same age as you and um yeah feel better now than I ever did in my life ever than and I all those, remember all those meds that I used to take in my 30s that I thought were perfectly normal I don't need I didn't need very soon on mm, yeah so great if we go back to when you were diagnosed 
what was going on at the time? Were you just a stay-at-home mum or were you balancing work and children? What yeah, was- and, pro- and stress does come into it as well. So I work, I don't know if you've heard the Chartered Institute of Marketing. I, um, I've worked in, I worked in marketing for many years. And, uh, and I used to help the, um, the teams to put on events. I loved it. And because I was balancing the children, I, um, I feel just, I can't believe I did it now. I used to kind of work through the night quite a lot. And then I could like chill out with the kids and watch Postman Pat. And I thought that was really cool. You know, she can have it all. That's yeah. major, major stress for your body. So I'm, no, I don't do anything like that now. And I would caution anybody who does think it's really cool to stay up all night working, you know. Yeah. I, <laughs> I used to say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, was, I was a great sleeper. I, from a young age, I always slept for 12 hours if I could. Wow. Um, I used to, yeah. And when I was in my teens, I'd go to bed at four o'clock in the morning and I wouldn't get up till four o'clock in the afternoon, that sort of thing. Um, but as I got older, when I was, um, so this is at the stressful period in my time, just over six years ago, I had lots going on. I, I just, I'd barely slept. I was quite often managing on four to five hours sleep, which is not good. I, I really don't think it, it's good. So yeah, so I, I, there were there were kind of quite a lot of issues, as there often is in a you know a complicated health breakdown, I guess you could call. But the good news is, I you know thank goodness I was able to learn enough to I think to to give me the quality of life I've got now, which is way better than it was twenty years ago. Yeah, <laughs> really neat, really neat. So when you were doing your nutrition course i'm guessing that you didn't know about low carb at that point did you well i'm, I'm well, <clears throat> the first thing is you realize that the the guidelines don't suit everybody is probably the polite way to put it <laughs> everybody anybody um yeah i mean just ba- basing all of our meals because that meant you know i was doing the typical thing and it's i see so many food diaries like this now where people really think they're doing the right thing by having you know wheat picks for breakfast sandwiches for lunch um, plenty of carbs at tea time um, and then the, all the extra treats and I had no idea of the sugar load that was putting me on yeah um, I just had no idea but also this idea about overfed and undernourished um, if you're just basing your meals on those foods you're, you're doing yourself out of a lot of nutrients as well yes and by moving to more of a fresh foods approach which minimizes or excludes depending where you are on the kind of the keto stroke car- low carb scale by minimising those, um, you fill up on more nutritious foods. Yeah. And that's that's really where the gains come from. So when when did you discover low carb? Well, I mean, certainly uh, through my training, it was about more healthy foods, although there was, and the training I did, there was a bit of an emphasis on a couple of things that are no longer fashionable, such as eating reg- very regularly to balance your blood sugars. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, and um, and quite rice dominated as well to be good for the gut. But you know what? We all found we got really fat. Yeah. Um, and so really that took us down. I think, it, I don't know if you know Patrick Holford. He's, you know, yeah. he was around quite big sort of 15 years ago. It was really through him. And so when I first qualified, I also did the Zest for Life program, which is a coaching program that I used with my first clients. And that was very much based on low carb. So it was talking about the glycemic index, which seemed to make brilliant sense. And it's fantastic for weight loss. And it's got loads of side effects like better energy, better digestion, better mood, more balanced hormones. 
Um, so it really felt like a fantastic way to move forwards. Yeah. So you've been doing that ever since, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, I then um, was introduced many years ago to the Caldaces, who we've written the cookbooks with. And uh, I worked with John Carlo um, to reverse his type 2 diabetes, um, or, along with obviously Katie doing all of her magic in the kitchen. And we just really hit it off. And that formed our partnership, um, along with David and Jen Unwin. Um, for those of you who don't know, Dr. David Unwin's GP up in the Northeast, and his wife Jen is a psychologist, and they are very much in the low carb community. Uh, David's known as the low-carb GP. I know he's been on with you before. Yep. Um, and so um, we we came to this place where, as well as seeing people one-to-one in my coaching clinic, that obviously with books, you can have a much wider reach and we can spread the low-carb world out to more people. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I recommend, well, I've got one book here, but I, it is a book, you know, they are a, a a group of books that I would recommend to my clients if you know if they're looking for a book to use. So I'm I'm not a cook, so um yeah, for me, uh dinner is a piece of steak if I have to cook it. Because I'm can't be bothered to faff around in the kitchen. But the nice thing about low carb is that it can be really simple. Yeah. You know, literally just protein and loads of vegetables, depending on where you are on what we call the carb scale. Um, you know, if you're keto, you're also keeping your carbs right down. Um, but if you're low carb, then it might involve some fruit, um, you know, depending on how metabolically healthy you are. It's just, just keeping to the healthy stuff and the stuff that makes you feel really good. Mm. So when you're working with clients, how do you decide where they should be on that carb scale? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on what their goals are. So if someone's got an issue with blood sugar balance, then initially it works really well to get on a pretty tight, low-carb diet. And the the reason for that is you've got to retrain your body how to burn fat, haven't you? Because so many people now are sugar burners and um, it makes it hard then to, to burn the fat. Because, of course, when you when you eat, either starchy carbs or sugars you spike up your insulin and insulin stores fat so it's the opposite of what you want to do which is burn fat so that's the first thing and then that that gives people a lot more satiety so they're not ravenous all the time and it's quite a revelation very often for people um and then um and then when they're in a much better place then some carbs can be reintroduced if necessary and then there are other situations where maybe people want to gain weight and maybe small amounts of carbs can actually help with that but you know almost it's still low carb but it's it's just maybe not quite as strict and my i myself sit on on a bit of a continuum um so i would say i'm kind of liberal low carb we would call it because i do a lot of exercise um but like I just went away on a cycling weekend we did huge amounts of exercise and I was not in control what with what I ate and some of what I ate was not my choice but you know you've got to eat um and so when I came back on Monday I was you, do you know what you get when you get like oh I want oh, I want a treat oh, I want you know I hate that yes and so I just do a day fast and just knock it out of my system yeah. and then I get to burning fat and then I'm just like really steady and I've got control back so for myself I kind of flex good and so if, yeah so when you say 
when you flex do you do that generally week in and week out so go from a lower carb end on some days to a higher carb on higher still low carb but higher yeah i mean my favorite place is middle of the road like at the weekends i had some meals that you know that was i mean one we yeah i won't say what we had but it was it was um it wasn't what i would have chosen um that's like that's abnormal but it happens occasionally and then I use the very low, you know, keto when I need to get back on track. Yeah. So last summer I had the most brilliant July. I went to so many events and I put on quite a few pounds because I enjoyed myself. And then I had to get back into track. So for me, it's right, get back onto keto, get back onto um, intermittent. Well, I I intermittent fast anyway. It's just if I need to lose a bit of weight, I'll do a 24-hour fast. And that just really kicks me back to where I need to be very quickly. And so I think, you know, you asked me how I work with clients. So understanding how, uh, what people's goals are and um, what they've got capacity for comes in. Um, most people, loads of people now have heard about intermittent fasting, which is fantastic because let's yeah. face it, you know, we didn't used to have Tesco's on every street corner when we were cavemen, did we? No. So, you know, we've, we've come into a world where food is just winking at us on every corner um and just a lot of people now know about intermittent fasting which is great and um, encouraging them and teaching them how to use that responsibly is really helpful yeah with the fasting aspect because intermittent fasting is great you do 16 hours fasting and eight hours eating or 18 six something like that what's your feeling about for women doing one meal a day or 20 hour fasting every day should that be done every day or only some days what what's your feelings around sort of longer fasts and also more extended fasts over several days i mean my experience is that three meals a day you can still lose weight on if you're you know if you choose to um so that you're intermittent fasting so you might do like well maybe 14 hours with then five hour gaps and that can be very effective if if um, portion size is controlled and quality is controlled um and then personally i wouldn't overdo the the longer fasting but then i know i don't work with very very heavy people but i know that there's lots of fantastic case studies where people have done extended fast and done really well um, I worry a bit potentially about sort of stress on the body and, and thyroid and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think if you just have it as as a go to when you need it, doing a slightly longer fast, it just gives you a bit of power. But you also make sure you're well nourished as well. Mm. Yeah. So I'm more of a fan of encouraging three meals a day to start with, but then using a flex. And I guess when you look at uh, Michael Mosley, he was a five two, wasn't he? So he was saying yes. two days you really cut back on your calories on your food intake basically um but five days you eat normally and that seems very effective yeah just doing a longer maybe even just a 24-hour fast occasionally when you need to can help to reset the other nice thing about doing an occasional extended fast is that you tend to control your appetite better coming out of it and it's just really difficult if you've got cravings and you're just you know sniffing out the cupboards it's horrible and so it's just really nice to be able to knock that on the head yeah yeah and and i think what people find amazing or surprising is that you've gone 
24 hours without eating or even longer if you're doing a longer fast yeah and you don't need to you're not ravenous and you don't need to eat loads you're just having an, a normal meal i find it's just the normal size meal that i would normally have um yeah and you don't keel over <laughs> no because <laughs> a lot of you know we're told aren't we if you don't eat carbohydrates you're gonna if you don't eat carbs you're gonna keel over but actually it's clearly not true <laughs> Yes, definitely. There is still, with some people, there is still reticence. Um, and if somebody is really, really struggling and not able to go the five hours, which happens very occasionally, then I would encourage them to wear a Freestyle Libra because they'll often say, oh, I had to have a snack because my blood, I felt my blood sugar dropped. So it's really good to know that sometimes you can get anomalies that need uh, to be just balanced out. And sometimes it's just giving people the confidence, actually, that didn't happen. But actually, when you had that, very healthy couple of dates with peanut butter that spiked your blood sugar and then you dropped mm, yeah. so that's why you were feeling a bit wobbly but if you hadn't had that actually you would have probably just gone through so or, or with some people I have worked with some people that do suffer with hypoglycemia um and that again you can develop different strategies so um the freestyle libra is just such an amazing device if you don't know what it is it's a monitor you put on your arm and you can track via your smartphone um 24 7 um blood sugars for you yeah really great and sometimes the freestyle um libre i think it's freestylelibre.co.uk have an offer on for a 14-day trial but even yeah yeah even at 60 pounds here in the uk at 60 pounds it's still a worthwhile spend you don't have to you don't have to do it you constantly but just a one two week monitor is really helpful in seeing oh, you learn so much. yeah yeah I've, you did. I've done with um when i'm working with clients i will often get them to get one before we start so they do one week eating their normal way that they've been eating and then they go one week low carb and then they can see the difference from the going from the spikes to the more the flatter um tracing yeah and with that then they very often feel better as well and yes. it, it make it you know the, the logic and this is why in our cookbooks we always start with the the science we call it because well, actually when you get on board with how your body works well actually people are really interested in that how their body works and then they can see the logic for it so it becomes a lot easier doesn't it to um to sustain mm, yeah um so when a when a client comes to you do you find that for the most part they don't understand low carb they are probably very much carb based they 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 don't have that metabolic flexibility how how do people normally present when they come to you yeah um most most people that i see um are, are familiar with the terms low carb familiar with the terms intermittent fasting but are still having a lot of the carbs in their diet. And the other thing I see quite a lot of, particularly in healthier women or women that um, perceive they have a very healthy diet, is low protein. That's the other thing that I see quite consistently. And I think it's because there is so much around us telling us that um, red meat is bad yep. when actually the science doesn't really support that point of view. And as humans... We've been eating it for rather a long time. 
Um, but I do feel that these these messages have affected people. And so very often I do talk a lot about protein. Yes. Partic- particularly with women because they tend to be quite light and can be very, very light. So not, not even realising. Um, and so that can be an, an area to explore as, as well. Um, do, you, do you find it a challenge to get, a, and I find it particularly with women, do you find it a challenge to get people to eat more protein? Or well, do that's they... good to explain. And so I talk about the, you know, the minimum we need is 0.8 grams per kilo. And then actually there's there's a very good website which you can plug in someone's um, weight and height and it calculates using uh, different advisory panels um, what a protein intake is. And, you know, for an average woman, you, you know, really need 60 to 80 grams of protein, which is not 60 to 80 grams of chicken because obviously meat is about 25% protein. Yep. And some of the non-animal foods are really quite a lot lower than people expect. So people are quite surprised about that. So I often show a ranking based on fresh weight because a lot, a lot of vegetables are, have high percentage of water. So dried weight can skew a little bit, um, but fresh weight's logical. You know, 100 grams of chickens, you know, a large chicken thigh, 100 grams of broccoli, so, you know, a handful, a decent-sized portion. So it's it's got more um, currency. And then people are quite shocked to see you can get 25 to 30 grams in a piece of meat, but actually in broccoli or spinach, you've got like 2.8 grams per 100. And whilst it makes a contribution you certainly couldn't live on those foods. So you do need to make sure you're aware of where you're getting your protein from. So, and it's quite, people are also quite surprised to see that pulses are so much lower in protein than, than animal products. Mm. That doesn't mean to say if, if someone tolerates carbs and, and tolerates pulses, it doesn't mean to say they can't include them, but it's nice if you have a mixed diet because you've got the best of both worlds there. So, yeah, um, but just being aware of, of, you know, getting adequate protein, I think, is a key challenge. And then, of course, once you've established that, and so you you frame a meal then with a good good amount of protein, whatever you choose that to be, and you team that with lots of vegetables. People are very happy. I tend to work with a more health health conscious cohort, maybe than maybe if one took the population at large. So lots of vegetables. I mean, that's the basis of a keto straight low carb diet, isn't it? Then you can add in calories depending on where someone is on the scale. Yeah. Because yeah, you know, if we all ate fish and broccoli, we'd all be thin as anything, wouldn't we? So yeah, <laughs> not enough calories. So, um, you know, you can either add the fats in and or you can add a limited amount of starchy carbs. You know, a lot of people can tolerate some fruit with or after meals uh, quite nicely, as long as they're not on a, you know, if you wanted someone to get management of their blood sugars, you wouldn't want to do that. So if someone was diabetic, obviously that would be something you'd try and discourage. But for a lot of people who who, don't, who have normal blood sugars, then that might, that is an option. Yeah, I, and I was I recently was listening to a book, um, and he was advocating that for one day a week to increase your carbs to around a hundred and hundred and fifty grams of healthy carbs, and I started to think, oh. If I did that, how would how would I do that? Because actually, I've been so low carb for so long that I either do low carb or I completely go the other way and eat all the rubbish, the bagels and bread and 
stuff and chocolate and things that I shouldn't eat. So I've not yeah, so either, either on or off in a way. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't done sort of higher carb, healthy foods. So that would be what would you suggest if I was going to do? So, so things that I've sort of put in place more more recently um, is whereas we were very often very keen on the courgette, um, which is great, you know, instead of pasta, and I've I've done that for donkey's years. Um, but more recently, I've started mixing spelt, spelt spaghetti with courgette, so like on a half and half, because my glycemic tolerance is really good. I can switch into fat burning really easily. And so if somebody like with that sort of profile, I think it is an option. And the reason I started doing that is because I run quite a lot of um, digestive health tests, so stool tests, and I am, I am often finding that in people who've been low carb for a long period of time, that there is not optimal gut bacteria and so that's why I've started to increase a little bit more on the fiber side with some people um I still think that the, the the sugar side of it trumps so that's more important if you have diabetes um but if you are the right weight you're really healthy then it might be that you can have a bit more flexibility like that mm. um including um maybe a piece of rye bread or a piece of sourdough bread, again, for somebody in that criteria, but never as a sandwich, always as a vehicle to a delicious topping. So you might have guacamole and bacon, one of my favourites, or, you know, so so it's not just the carbs, but it's the carbs with um, good fats and protein, yeah. if that makes sense. Yes, definitely. So I'd never go back to eating sandwiches unless I'm on a biking trip and I have no choice. <laughs> well i guess yeah. maybe sandwiches with lots of butter and cheese and tomatoes maybe yeah but i still i'm, I'm personally wouldn't be keen on someone how i mean if you're out it is different because a normal sandwich is more portable isn't it so there you know there you do have to have a bit of flexibility for circumstance but if if you are able i think just a, car- a carrier as, as a piece of bread with more topping is probably better Yes, just to get the right mix, because then of course you're having half. You know, a lot of people live on cheese sandwiches, and they're you know you've got a little bit of cheese, a little bit of protein, but you know very little vegetables. Yeah, half a tomato maybe, but compare that to you know a great big salad you could have, or even like I said with the bread and the topping, scrambled eggs on a slice of bread. So it's about where somebody is in terms of how well they manage blood sugar what their goals are what their activity is do they need to lose weight and just helping them to arrive in places and also not being too fixed on sticking in the same place because sometimes you might want to flex things and do things a little bit differently depending on how well they're getting on Mm. but I think very low carb or keto is very useful um, to get back control of what you're eating so if you are struggling with cravings it can be really really helpful and Obviously, if you're managing a situation like type 2 diabetes or even type 1 diabetes, which is a completely different um, presentation, but, um, you know, you you can still um, manage a condition like type type 1 diabetes well with a low-carb approach, provided, of course, that you're doing it mindfully. Mm. And Dr Ian Lake, um, a a GP, I think he's in the West Country, is is a type 1 diabetic himself, and he... He's really shown. I mean, I remember talking to him and he was doing, I think it was a unsupported run from Land's End to John O'Groats or something like that, you know. 
um, keto. Yeah, they did. And he's changed his life from changing his diet. And uh, it's amazing that you can somebody can power themselves on fat like that if they need to. Yeah, I think they did um, 100 miles over five days fasted. This was with the Steve Bennett, yeah. Yeah, so they did that as well. It's incredible. I often – I have an, a newspaper article of that, and I often show that to people as well. Because of this idea, if I don't eat carbs, I'm going to collapse. It's like, no, you know, mm-hmm. you've got two fuels. You're like a hybrid car. Yeah, that's exactly the um, metaphor that I use. <laughs> um, what about, do you work with um, menopausal women or even postmenopausal women? Is, yeah, is there something, is there something different that they should be doing? I'm, I'm, what I'm thinking of is I quite often, we quite often get questions in the Facebook group around, so people have been low carb or keto for a while. So they've been doing it. They've lost a lot of weight, but they are in that menopausal stage or like myself post-menopausal should they be changing anything up well i mean if it, it, there's always the opportunity to revisit how low carb you are but one of the big issues when initially when people aren't on these low carb and keto diets is that they're swinging their blood sugar around and then that impacts their cortisol their cortisol impacts their their hormonal status and also if you're not eating really nutritious food you can be quite depleted in some really essential nutrients that are that help you manage your hormones so for instance b12 and folate really essential for um for detoxifying your estrogens and things like that so on a more nutritious diet often things do come back into balance i mean if, if somebody was on a really good diet and had met their health the health goals but still had hormonal issues then there are some really good um tests around just to drill down into what might be going on um there's one called the dutch test it's a urine test and it, it shows you um yeah the levels of the different hormones and the pathways for excreting those so that could be then you can use supplements quite um intelligently for that particular person but very often, just with getting on a really healthy diet, as we know in the low-carb world, good quality protein, loads of vegetables, um, making up the calories either with some um, healthy carbs or and or additional fats, not being low-fat, obviously, mm. um, then a lot of these issues do resolve. So that's one of the big areas that I see a lot of benefits from is hormonal balance. Yeah. And... I, I've I've found that not only mo- mood balance as well. Yeah, how people feel without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Then eating more protein is going to help with that um, because our neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine are all, are all made from amino acids. So if you take somebody that's on a very you know carby diet, particularly you know, young girls maybe living on donuts and pasta. Um, you know, scared of protein because they've been told how awful it is to, eat, you know, eat meat. Um, and, th- th- you know, with depression, then actually you've got to look at what the diet is and whether they've got the raw materials to make those brain chemicals that are so important for how they feel mm. um, as part of, of of their whole package of, of recovery, really. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess it impacts for the younger women impacts fertility as well yeah 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 so um yeah just coming back and and i i I mean i've touched on animal products a couple of times and i think it's perfectly possible to be vegetarian as long as you're mindful 
and that you're kind of working out what you need. And so, um, I yeah, I think it's perfectly possible to to be vegetarian um, if you eat meat and fish and eggs and dairy. You know, you, you you've still got quite a lot of those good, uh, powerful foods from a protein point of view. Mm. So, what if somebody was vegetarian? How would you suggest they get their protein to make sure they're getting all the essential amino acids? So I'd, I'd help them to understand how much protein a, a person needs. And I mentioned a, a website that I think is particularly good for that. Um, and then I, in, there's lots of apps now that you can count the protein. So actually, what I found when people do just use something like a MyFitnessPal or a Carbs and Cows where they put in their uh, what they've eaten and it calculates things out. Um, yeah, people are quite shocked by how little protein, you know, protein they might be eating. Um, and then in- encouraging them, obviously, you've got fish, egg, eggs are fantastic, um, dairy products, pulses, and within that combination, um, being able to make sure they get what they need. And sometimes it might be relevant for someone to have a protein shake as well if they are running light. It's better to have meet your protein goals than than not um, mm. so there's all different ways of doing it yeah yeah i think i do think it is quite challenging if somebody's excluding all animal products though so um i think it's challenging definitely i agree i i i even think it's i i i've said this before i often worry about people that even if they're vegetarian and they're eating some cheese and dairy that are they getting enough of the right amino acids? And I know that um, chronometer, when you put it into chronometer, it actually lists out the nine essential amino acids so you can make sure that you're hitting those goals. So I quite like that as a as a food tracker if somebody's... Yeah, so that's that's another, uh, another way of doing it. Um, I mentioned a couple of the other trackers, but there's that one as well, of course, that gives you even more detail. Yeah. yeah so there's lots... Lots of good resources, and I find that people can be quite in, people are quite interested about food. Well, the people that bother to go see nutritionists tend to be quite interested about food. I guess that may not apply for the whole population. Mm, yeah, um, they are a self-selected group, but um, the results speak for themselves, don't they? So this is the wonderful thing. Yeah, I was talking to someone today, and she said, "Oh, I couldn't give up bread," and I was thinking, "Yeah, you could." Because I was that person who couldn't give up bread. And I thought, how can you live without bread? Um, but but you do. If I think if your motivation is strong enough to to make the changes and you have to you need a good reason why you should do it. And this is where I think Katie's recipes are so helpful because being able to make a, a bread out of nuts and seeds and the Scandi crackers, which certainly were in our first book, um, they are so good that you have got another option um, to a typical bread product so that you're, people are evolving, really. Yeah. I don't know if you like – are you more carnivore or do you like to have things like the nut breads? I, I – would like to have the things like the nut breads and i i have a um a cracker recipe that i sometimes use but i find that then i just that's what i want to eat and it's a bit like you saying um don't just have sandwiches but 
I would then just have sandwiches or yeah. making a low carb bread. I would just have sandwiches. So I tend to, for the most part, not have them. So I, I would say I'm definitely not, not carnivore, but I don't have huge amounts of vegetables. So I'll yeah, have yeah. a small yeah. amount of usually two veg at night. So last night, for example, was some broccoli and a few French beans. Um, oh, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have – when I started, I used to have piles of vegetables. Um, but now I, I really do try and focus more on the protein and making sure that I'm getting enough protein in a day. And there are odd days where I'm probably not having enough protein, but for the most part, I'm probably hitting a hundred grams of protein a day. I would say. Yeah, I mean that's that's great. That's a really good intake. And um, yeah, you sort of talk about different meals, and it just reminds me of a meal I had last night. So I also had broccoli and green beans. <laughs> um, I had some chicken thighs with the skin on, um, and I had some leftover lemon dressing. And just adding dressings to things, I find, really helps with uh, making them taste delicious, um, and also. Um, just feeling more satisfying yeah um so yeah I'm a big fan of dressings and again you know Katie has some brilliant dressings she's got one book that's not in the low carb section uh stable but there's um a salads book that she brought out actually before she started on low carb when she was working with Giancarlo and uh in terms of his diabetes she was writing this book and that's got some fabulous dressing but some Asian-y types and satay and things like that so I, I personally do think dressings make a huge difference to things mm. I'm a bit of a butter fiend I probably have too much butter on my veg it just adds a lovely flavor with a with a grind of salt doesn't it yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. good old-fashioned food <laughs> yes and it's so simple and quick um, my husband used to spend a lot longer in the kitchen when he was cooking potatoes, we'd have potatoes with every meal or rice before, before you know, six years ago. Um, but now that he's not cooking potatoes, he, he gets up about a quarter of an hour before dinner and just goes in the kitchen and nine times out of ten, we've got dinner on the table in 15 minutes. I think speed is really important as well because um, you don't want to spend all your time sort of you know as a slave to the oven but um I think there are sort of little tips that you can um include to make that time less I mean you're already talking about simpler food um but gadgets as well so obviously the air fryers are really popular do you have one of those I have my sister gave me her old one, but this is maybe 20 years old. Wow, I didn't know they had them then. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking that. about, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably 20 years old. It was the real original, okay. my sister's an early adopter, so anything new that comes out, she's got it. So um, I'm thinking it's uh, it's very old and it's the original tea fowl. Um, oh, wow. But I'm not... Uh, not 100% on how I should be using it. So quite often it doesn't get used. Yeah, I mean, it's just a very small vortex oven. So it's like very small and powerful. And it depends on how many people there are. There's really, I cook for myself and my husband now in the evenings. It's perfect for that. So rather than heating up the whole oven uh, very quickly, I can uh, get this uh, air fry going. So the chicken size I did yesterday, did them in that. Sometimes I'll do roasted vegetables. And I do think gadgets help. 
um, you know, just to make life in the kitchen a bit easier, really. Mm. So what what air fryer do you have? I've got a Philips one. My husband did watch a, one of these comparison programs and told me that it was far too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> there are such a lot on the market now, but I'm very happy with the one I've got and it's a perfect size for us. Yeah, there's so many. and it's, So it becomes a bit overwhelming and baffling to choose one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah. So, Jenny, you've you've done the nutrition and you've done the yoga how does that all now um intertwine in in what you're offering people well one thing that i've been doing for many years now is offering um retreats and for many years i ran them in spain but obviously with all the hiccups over the last few years <laughs> here i started in the uk um and my point of difference, so I run yoga retreats, but I run them on a self-catering basis. So um, they're low carb, as you would expect. And the idea is that I do all the planning of the menu, which uh, takes on board people's preferences. Of course, there are always lots of little tweaks. Um, I organise all the delivery of the food. Obviously, with food delivery is so cool these days, isn't it? You know, you can just pre-plan everything and then we all together make the food and people are quite shocked at how easy it is when a lot of the planning's already done and oh. it really focuses on the fun bit of cooking so I'm a bit like a hello fresh delivery I'll say <laughs> right who wants to make the mackerel pate uh, and here's the box of your ingredients and here's the recipe and I'm also good on gadgets so I take my food processor and you know all these sorts of things we have the music on and it's just such a lovely feeling. So this whole idea of promoting cooking being a hobby and not a job, I know when you're working, I know it's really tough. And I think there are other things we can talk about on that front. But if you can get some enjoyment and involve other people, it, it can be really a great way to break out of that, oh, what are we having for dinner, um, which is a quandary I know a lot of people get in. So I love the way the yoga with all the sort of healthy living and the exercise comes together um, with the food on these retreats. And we cook up the most fantastic stuff. And people are also quite shocked by they seem to eat so much really good food and they don't put on weight. So that's a bit of a revelation to people as well. Yeah. And and I'm, I would imagine that going on a yoga retreat and being able to eat meat or even just being offered meat would be <laughs> something unusual because you would expect to get some quinoa or something. Yeah, I am quite diff different in the yoga world from that point of view. You're absolutely right. Um, and like I said, I can cope with vegetarians um, in terms of their personal choices, but there will always be a meat option as well. Um, evening, evening is three courses. Um, but simple. So one of the beautiful recipes um, that, that Katie had in our first book um, is uh, raspberry and mascarpone as an instant ice cream. Wow. You literally get a bag of frozen fruit, could be raspberries, could be something different, some mascarpone cheese, put it in a blender. I actually, um, she says add vanilla, but I actually add a little bit of um, like raspberry cordial, just a little bit. And you just basically blend it and you've got instant ice cream. And if you're a sort of person that really likes the mainstream ice creams, I would encourage you to read the ingredients. And you might be surprised because cream doesn't feature very often in some of these things. So it's so much healthier. But what people love, it's like instant and yep. really easy and delicious. 
yeah um, so things like that I love sharing um you know recipes um with people and combining it with the yoga as well is like my idea of heaven really oh and we get we also get out for a walk and that sort of stuff but it makes it into a really nice um yeah just a really a really nice weekend full of healthy living um and we have two places in um in the Cotswolds well one in the Cotswolds one in Wales and just stunning mm, I was going to ask you uh, do you go back to the same place at the same place. yeah I've got a really good relationship with the person in the Cotswolds and we're doing more and more there but it's fantastic I mean I only take it up to 15 people but the the dining area seats 22 so you've got plenty of space it's got the most fabulous kitchen opening up onto the dining area and it is such a stunning building it's a converted dairy farm and it could be on grand designs it's really fabulous and so you've got a beautiful location you've got yoga which is so good for your soul and for um getting good exercise and then you've got this fabulous food low-carb food it sounds fabulous does so if somebody wanted to come do they would they have to have done yoga before or could could it be for a newbie I think one has to want to give it a try. And actually, I did have someone when we went to Wales in March. She was quite fit. She had horses and um, she would never done yoga, but she really wanted to give it a try. And it was really good because it was like an immersion. And the thing is with yoga is you can use blocks and belts so that if you're, for instance, if you can't touch your toes, you don't feel that, oh, I can't join in because I can give you a belt and you can touch your toes with a belt. So yeah. we can just adjust things and it was a really nice way to do it. And we also do things like bedtime yoga and stuff like that with all candles and things. So yeah, yes, you can come on them if you haven't done yoga before, as long as you want to try it. Yes, of course. Yeah. I wouldn't force anyone to go. <laughs> I, I mean, I've done yoga before. I, I do love it, it sometimes, except the last time I did it, my mind, I had a lot on and my mind, I just couldn't calm down enough if that oh, makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm doing it but I was getting frustrated it's like come on I'm gonna get to the next move now and and it was an internal thing that was going on of yeah I want to move from this move and I want to do something else now um, but that mm. was just a reflection of what was going on at the time yeah but um, yeah sounds and great that's why taking the space away can help because you you know the sort of the format of the day ahead and we did because a lot of people I work with are on my online yoga which is 45 minutes is a session and we do crack through a lot of postures and then I throw in a three-hour session and they're like how can we do yoga for three hours now I do put a break in and we do have some low-carb snacks on that particular day um but you do an hour and a half then take a break and then do an hour and it was re- people could really get into the moment of it they knew how long it was going to be they almost mentally agreed to that and they weren't distracted in the way that you can be if you're trying to crack on with other things they're in this beautiful environment yeah sounds wonderful. it really is stunning just take a look at my website there's a little video on that well like an assortment of photos on there so <laughs> do have a look fabulous so jenny is there anything that we haven't mentioned that we haven't mentioned already that you wanted to mention today so although we've talked about uh, the joys of spending time in the kitchen I'm well aware that that is a luxury not everyone has and if you're juggling a busy family with a busy job it you know it's a lot more stressful than that so I thought maybe we could talk about um how to take the pressure off a little bit yeah that would be fabulous I'm because I'm sure yeah because I think you've already touched on you know keeping meals very simple 
Um, and I'm a real big fan of um, re recycling food so that you cook more than you need. And of course, you can batch cook. And that's something Katie in some of the more recent books is really big on is, is encouraging people to book, cook more portions. But also just, um, you know, if you cook, a, like even if there's two of you, you can cook a whole chicken. And then over the course of, you know, next four days, you can make all sorts of different things um, and just just take some of the pressure out. Um, because we are really encouraging people where possible to cook from scratch and just keeping it simple. Um, when it comes to vegetables, steaming vegetables means that you can put different types in, in, in one pan and cook them all up and they seem to do very well together. Roasting vegetables is another quite efficient way. Another gadget that I'd like to give a mention is the slow cooker. Oh, yeah. Once a week, we, we often have, my husband and I have duck legs and rather than putting them in the oven for a couple of hours, I just put them in the slow cooker for about four hours and then you don't even have to think about them. Put them in at lunchtime. By the time you come to tea time, it's all this beautiful meat ready to go. So I think just things like that and thinking ahead can really help you. So re recycling, purting food, um, even the lemon dressing I mentioned had with chicken yesterday, I've had two days previously um, with something else. And I had some left over. I just put it in the fridge and I thought, oh, it will come in useful in the next day or two. And, and it did. So be brave enough to, you know, to, to put things aside that you can reuse. Yeah. And then use gadgets to keep things easy. Obviously, freezers are such a boon, aren't they, that you can bring things out. And the other thing, I think, is to sort of mentor in advance what you're going to make. Um, so I have this phrase, like, think about tomorrow today because nobody likes to get to five o'clock and think what are we having for tea it puts so much stress on you whereas if you think ahead a day you can defrost something from the freezer you can stop at the supermarket and pick something up on route and it, it just makes it easier and sometimes prepping ahead of time can be really useful a lot of people now working from home well you might want to think about making a packed lunch the night before, sticking it in the fridge. And then when you have got a break between whatever you're doing at lunchtime, rather than going through that, oh, what should I have for lunch? You just go to the fridge and it's like someone made it for you. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got like a really nice salad. I talk about a power salad, um, which is protein, some sort of leaf like lettuce or spinach, um, whatever extra vegetables you want, peppers, radishes, avocado, cucumber, um, so you've got a nice mix of salad, possibly add a little bit of fruit in if you can cope with that sugar um, and nuts and seeds to give it a bit of a crunch with a dressing. And that can sit in the fridge. You could do a couple in a row and mm. leave it. Just, and it's, it feels if you go to if you take your break for lunch, you go to the fridge. Oh, hello. There's a nice salad. It feels so much nicer than that stress of, oh, what am I going to do? Yeah. So and 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 then the other the other thing you can do that I quite often do, which I would never have considered before doing, is cooking a piece of meat the night before. So whether it's a steak, well, chicken's easy. We know you can have cold chicken, but I now eat cold steak, which I wouldn't have done before. And, I, you know, some steak on a salad. Gorgeous. Or, yeah. Or You slice it up. Yeah. Sometimes I just have it on its own, mm -hmm. just having the steak. I might, And what I do is, depending on where I'm going to be, is I will top it up small so then I just have to use my fork and I don't need a knife. So you can 
start to think differently. That's a really good point about chopping salad bits up small it makes it so much more palatable. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's just thinking about the prep. Yeah, just something ahead. Uh, you know, a great go-to for me is hard-boiled eggs because they're easy to cook and they're easy to keep in the fridge. And that is often, and nice. often my lunch will be hard-boiled eggs with some tuna and some vinaigrette or hard-boiled eggs and some sardines. That's quite often what I'll have. As nice. You could throw a few olives in there. That would be lovely. So, yes, yeah. I, I live I on olives. touching on something else, which is like uh, having a bit of a flair for creativity. We all love recipes, but you don't need to get hung up on on sort of combinations and you know if you've got a recipe and you don't have a certain ingredient sub something else and just try and lighten up a bit and go with the flow a bit more be inspired Mm. by recipes yeah um but just just enjoy putting foods together and then enjoy eating them because let's face it food is quite lovely isn't it yeah I could eat it all the time if I allowed myself. (laughs) I've got one client at the moment and um what she's taken to doing on a Sunday she chops up lots of peppers and she freezes them so that when she's cooking in the week she just has to pull out they're already cut up and she just pulls them out and puts them in her meals and she doesn't need to um cutting them and preparing them because they're already done yeah you're taking the 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 harder bit out and interestingly red peppers are one of the best sources of vitamin c which of course we need for a strong immune system so um, there's actually as much um, vitamin C in one red pepper as there is in a kilo of oranges. Mm, yeah. So that's a smart move for your client there. Absolutely. Anything else before we finish? Before we come? Do you want to touch on eating out? Yeah, we can touch on eating out. I'm happy. Yeah. We, let's yeah. go. Yeah. So um, obviously when people come on to a, a diet plan they're they're often concerned about you know how it's going to translate to eating out and the feedback that i get is that low carb is so much easier than some of the other diet plans um in terms of um as long as you go into decent restaurants being able to get what you want because really we are talking about protein vegetables or salad and hold the chips and being confident enough who ask for substitutions. So I'd rather not have the potatoes. Could I have some extra broccoli or could I have a side salad? Um, a little tip, because sometimes the puddings are like real sugary, aren't they? And yeah. I just don't enjoy them. Um, you know, sticky toffee pudding just isn't my thing. Um, a coffee with some cream in it. And I feel like I've had a treat. And, and of course, it's not going to rocket my blood sugar around. Yeah. So that can be quite handy as well. Um Sometimes people have a couple of starters rather than a starter and a main as, as a way of getting what they want. But just being confident to, to build food together and being happy to ask for a slight variation if you wanted to, I think, um, means that this is a really, really easy way to eat out in most cases. I guess if you went to a pizza restaurant, it would be a bit tough. Mm, I went to one oh, at Christmas, it was actually. Um somebody had dropped out asked they asked me if I wanted to come um I just said yes I hadn't looked at the menu and when I got there there was absolutely nothing that I could eat gosh that's very unusual what did you do well I found a chicken dish and I I don't like eating chicken in a restaurant it's never been my choice of food and I asked for it and when it came up it was full of pasta and I said that did not say that it comes with pasta. 
Um, so in the end, I just went for a pizza because if you're going to eat something with carbs, then make it worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was a bit off plan, but there was absolutely, well, and then maybe a Caesar salad, but hmm, for me, yeah. a salad in the evening is not is not a meal. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. tricky. We've tricky. done a lot of walking during the day. So Yeah, yeah. I was invited to join friends for pizza one night and um, I found that a bit of a challenge, but it actually worked out fine because I took some bits to share as a little gift. So I took some mackerel pate and some scandy crackers and some olives so I could like load up on that. And then I just ate the topping. <laughs> yeah, I've done that in the past as well. Yeah, and it was, it was absolutely fine. It meant I was able to join in. And that wouldn't be a normal course of events, but it actually worked fine. Um, and it meant I didn't miss out on seeing my friends. Yeah. So, Excellent. Yeah. But generally, most restaurants you can get, yeah, protein and veg. But it's you're right. There is just very few occasions where it's more challenging. Mm. And I'm finding that now... As time as we progress in time, it is becoming more challenging because everywhere is now so plant based. Yes, with yes. everything that it's it's yeah. becoming more of a challenge to find to it, find it food. Can be. It can you be. To, you really do yeah. have to check the menus out before you go. Yeah, uh, that is a good point. I think checking the menus is a really good thing to do, and of course, they mostly are online now. Um, just in terms of Katie's restaurants, she's got the Caldesi restaurant, her and Giancarlo. They've got one in London and one in Berkshire. Um, and they do offer uh, low-carb versions. Um, and they also do wonderful things like um, calf's liver. <laughs> mm. a, a lot of Italian restaurants will do calf's liver. Yes. Theirs is particularly spectacular. Um, so if you do find yourselves in Marylebone, do check that out if you're a fan of low-carb. It, it's a lovely place to go. Yeah. That's Caldesi's in Marylebone. Yeah. So how can people find you online? How can they connect with you? I have, I have a website called Inspired Nutrition. That's www.inspirednutrition.co.uk. And you'll find my contact details there. So I work with people one-to-one. Um, Zoom has proved to be incredibly fantastic for nutrition. Who would have known? Um, so I do have a uh, work with a lot of clients, and it might be losing weight, or it might be working with a complex disease, um, or it might just be wanting to future-proof your diet. And then, of course, the retreats are on there as well. They've got a section. Um, so okay. do have a look. You might be interested. And any social media? Are you on social media? Um, I have a group called nourishing news um but i'm not very active on other forms of social media or rather i am on twitter but i'm a bit more political so it wouldn't be much fun for <laughs> okay cool so, so let's finish off with your three top tips so my three top tips make your kitchen somewhere where you want to be because mm. then it's going to feel less job-like. So if you like listening to podcasts, have an iPad or a radio, a lot of people with having um, TVs, just make it to be something you want. You might want to play music. Just make it a lovely place to be that you want to spend time in, and that's going to really help you. That's my first tip. Yeah, I like that one. I haven't. We haven't had that one before. Ah, good. The second one is to recycle your meals. So we yep. 
touched on this as well. So be generous with what you cook. Just put it in the fridge and just bring it out in other ways and be creative in terms of how you put things together because that's going to take a lot of pressure off. Yeah. And then the third one is to think about tomorrow today. Yeah. Because it's re- you make it really hard if you leave it to the last minute. You don't give yourself much scope um, and you can just – make things work a lot better if you just keep an eye on what what you've got coming up take things out the freezer um pick up things on route and uh yeah just enjoy what you're making really Um, and just enjoy your food because it nourishes you and it creates your healthiest version of you Mm. we know that from the people we work with don't we um and the, the amazing um way people can change and feel better yeah absolutely and I, I that thinking about tomorrow today is great because if you leave it to the last minute you're more likely to make unsupportive choices and choose something that maybe you know doesn't support your goals or what you're trying to achieve then then if you've thought about it and you make sure that you've got that food on hand yeah. even if you don't know exactly what you're going to do with it so yeah, at least you've got the raw ingredients, so you've got a half chance rather than grabbing a pizza from the freezer or something like that, and then and then feeling not feeling your best. Yeah, not feeling your best and feeling sometimes you feel a bit guilty. Oh, I sh- I shouldn't have had that, which is not you know you don't need to beat yourself up about it, mm. but it you you sometimes put that on yourself, don't you? I didn't make the best choice I could have done. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, Jenny, thank you for joining us today. It's an absolute pleasure. It's lovely to meet you and good luck with your podcasts. Thank you. All the very best. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you. Sometimes we have to have a massive health crisis before we're willing to take action. Jenny was so lucky because with an aggressive grade four cancer, it might have been a very different outcome. I feel blessed to have come across this way of eating before I had any more serious health issues. I know others who've made dietary changes to keep cancer away once they've had it. Not necessarily low carb or keto, but I think the key thing is a return to real food, elimination of ultra-processed foods, and making lifestyle changes with regard to stress, sleep and exercise. I would like to think that for every year we stay low carb, avoid seed oils and remove sugars and grains, we are reducing the risk of cancer. It was great to hear a nutritionist say we we need to eat more protein and that protein helps balance hormones, as well as getting the micronutrients from a balanced, nutritious diet. When we recorded this episode, I wasn't carnivore, and I mentioned that in the podcast. But now that it's being released, I'm coming to the end of a 30-day carnivore challenge, and I'm getting on really well. I'm enjoying it much more than I expected, and I've got much further than I ever have in the past. Anyway, if you want any of the show notes, any of the links, uh, go to fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash one four four it would be great if you could support us through patreon go to patreon.com 
forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.